So today we're continuing our uh, How to Live a Life of Hope series, uh, we're looking, uh, which is looking through the book of 1 Peter, um, the letter that he wrote to some of the church, the New Testament churches. And, um, and, and what I'd like to talk about today is the fact that Peter was writing into a situation where um, he wanted to bring hope to people in the workplace. Um, and the workplace for those people, for many of those people, basically meant slavery. They were slaves. Um, and so my title of, the, of my talk today is, Who is Your Real Master? Now, slavery in New Testament times, it was just, it was a major part of everyday life in the Roman Empire, which, of course, Peter lived in, the church that he wrote to were part of. Jesus lived under the Roman Empire. It's been estimated that around about a fifth of the total population of the Roman Empire were slaves. And within the city of Rome itself, about a third of that population were slaves. So this was, it was clearly a massive thing. And in fact, the whole of society functioned around slavery. Um, I was trying to think about a, 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 something in, in our day which is kind of similar. Something which if you just took away, the whole of society would basically collapse. And the only thing I could think of was, was the internet. You know, if, you, if, if, uh, if they just took away the internet right now, if it just disappeared, I don't know who they are, but if they did, <laughs> if they took it away, basically society, it, would, it wouldn't function. It wouldn't just be that we couldn't tweet each other and say what's happened to the internet. No, it would be much deeper than that. The, we wouldn't be able to communicate in general. The taxation system would break down. We wouldn't be able to get paid. It would just be a disaster. And in Roman times, um, in many ways, it would have been a similar thing. It would have been a strange if slavery had just been taken away. Society would have just um, collapsed. Um, um, and of course, many members of the early church, given that the, the early church's main ministry was to the poor and to the disenfranchised, were slaves. And we know that because many of the letters of the New Testament, they addressed and gave instruction to slaves and to masters. One letter, the, uh, the book of Philemon, uh, is actually a, a letter which is written to a slave master telling him how to treat a, a slave who has run away from him, come to Paul, become a Christian, and Paul is sending back to him. And it's telling me how to deal with that situation. So it was a massive um, issue in the early church. And you might even ask yourself the question, well, if slavery was such a big thing, and we, and we know that slavery is wrong, then why on earth didn't they condemn it? Why didn't they pull the plug on it, say that this was an affront to God, affront to humanity? And um, there, are, there are probably a, a number of reasons for this, but I think the main one is this, that the priority of the church wasn't just to to change and to shape society in general. It wasn't just to have people released from slavery to their earthly masters, but it was actually to, to make disciples and to have people released from slavery to sin. I'm gonna talk about that um, a little bit later on. So although as strange as it seems to us uh, that a Christian could, could actually have a slave, to own a slave, in those days it would have been no more controversial than somebody owning a mobile phone. It, it really, in many ways, wasn't a big deal. Although I should say there are many hints in the New Testament that slavery was wrong. They just didn't condemn it outright. Um, and I think it's important to say as well, just before we get right into it, that what, the picture that naturally comes to our mind when we talk about slavery is the, the black African slave trade of the 19th century, which of course was, was just absolutely appalling and, and just treated people in 
just terribly inhumane ways. Um, I think it's important to say that the, the Roman slavery, although it wasn't any picnic by any means, it wasn't like this. It was possible to live a, a quite a, um, a dignified um, existence within Roman society as a slave. For example, um, slaves could get married, could have children, could raise their family, um, that they could um, rise to quite high professional positions. They could be teachers, and it was very common they'd be teachers, musicians, actors, um, lawyers, government officials. All of these people would have commonly have been slaves. So a slave and a free man would walk side by side and talk almost as equals often in Roman society. Now, the, um, the, the part of the Bible that we're going to look at in just a few minutes is, is, the, is the centerpiece of Paul's letter. It's kind of like, it's where he's kind of getting up to and he's talking about Christ making himself, uh, or showing himself to be strong by making himself weak. It's kind of like the centerpiece of everything that Paul is writing. Now, either side of this great centerpiece, which we're going to look at, Peter looks at the two, um, the, the two hardest places for us as Christians to live out our Christian life, to show Christ's strength through our weakness. And these two areas that he's going to look at is the workplace and marriage. Okay? It's not a joke, it is generally true. <laughs> um, it's the two hardest places, according to Peter, that, to, to live out our Christian life. Now, I want to tell you that it hasn't always been this way. You know, you'd you think the Christian life would be It is easy, isn't it? It's only hard at the workplace and at home. You know, that would just be the 24 hours a day, <laughs> you know? Um, it hasn't always been this way. God didn't create us to, to have a terrible life. God created mankind to live in harmony with one another and to live in harmony with him. But something happened. If you know the story, God created mankind, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. They rejected God. They turned their backs to him and said, I'm going to do things my way. And what happened when that, when, when that happened was God actually cursed mankind. And he, the two areas that he cursed specifically were, you guessed it, the workplace and marriage. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that... Um, that he uh, finds that that we can find it hard to work out our Christian lives in those two situations. Now, I'm going to park the whole marriage thing for now. Next week, Simon Elliott's going to be uh, coming to talk to us about that, and I'm going to look forward to him dancing his way through that potential minefield. Um, but for the time being, we're just going to look at the workplace. And this is so. These are the words that God spoke over Adam. It was when he talked about how we're going to work. He said. The words aren't going to come. I'm just going to read them. Just, just listen in. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until, the, until you return to the ground. Now, if you've ever thought to yourself, why is the work, why is work just so hard? Well, basically... This is the reason why. God has cursed it. Now, initially you might think, you mean everything that, all the troubles that I have in my work is because of God? But if you just stop and think about it and dwell on it for a second, this is actually quite encouraging. 
Because if somehow all our troubles were caused by ourselves or by the devil, then there would be very little hope. But because God, it is God who causes us to have trouble, then actually that means that there's meaning behind the things that we go through. It means that there's an end point. It means that God has got a plan. This is very encouraging for us. If, you, if you're somebody who struggles in the workplace, uh, specifically with bosses we're going to look at in a minute, but in, for any reason, to be honest, it's encouraging because God is using the things that you go through um, for a greater good. Now, although we as Christians, we do live in a world which is under the curse we ourselves are not under a curse. Hallelujah. We have been called out of this world as citizens of heaven. Peter describes it elsewhere in this um, letter as, um, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is who we are. So we shouldn't necessarily just think that we are um, just completely under the curse of God because as well as that, God has called us out of that and has given us a greater hope. So we're going to look at the... Um, the scripture just now. So if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of First Peter, the New Testament. The words will come up behind me if you don't have one. So it's First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse uh, 18. Okay, so I'll just read on. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And here he quotes from the Old Testament. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And this bit here is the centerpiece I was talking about. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you, you probably know more or less where I'm going to be going with this. You're going to say to yourself, you're going to tell me that I should do what my boss says, aren't you? Even if it's really harsh. Even if he's clearly wrong. And you're kind of right. That is the direction I'm going to take this. And you might be thinking to yourself, Michael, that might be fine for everybody else around here, but you don't know my work. My workplace is a nightmare. My boss, he's a real slave driver. And of course, I would reply to that, well, he's not a real slave driver, <laughs> is he? Now, the people who Peter was writing to, oftentimes their bosses were real slave drivers. Now, I am kind of making the assumption that um, that everybody here has a legitimate workplace and that they're not, because um, um, of course there is such a thing as modern day slavery now and I wouldn't want to deny that um, and people still suffer horrendously under that. If, if you, but clearly it's been outlawed in this country and, I, and I'm pretty sure everywhere 
in the world. So if you have a legitimate law-abiding workplace, you're not a slave. Um, um, but, these, but having said that, these words are still relevant to us. Okay, Peter was writing to slaves, and he was telling them how they should uh, endure a beating, and I hope that not too many of you have to endure a beating on a regular basis, but um, the, the, the principles are still the same. The point is still the same, because bad workplaces still exist. Bad bosses still exist. And I've no doubt at all that many of you will, will suffer under bosses. And I, I, Of course, I would like to extend the, the, the principle of a boss um, to some of you who may be unemployed. You may have to deal with the, um, the employment agencies that are effective with your boss, perhaps some of your students. You have to deal with your professors and lecturers, and, uh, and, and no doubt they can be very harsh and unfair to you. But uh, the, 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 it's a broad principle. You, you, you kind of get what I'm saying with this. Um, now, um, now, you might be thinking, ah, Michael, ah, if you know me, you'll know me, that you might think you're a bit of a fraud because you're self-employed. <laughs> you don't have a boss. <laughs> well, what I would say to that is um, when you're self-employed, you don't just have one boss. You have loads of bosses. They're called customers. And, um, and there's a great variety in the quality of them. And uh, um, if you, uh, in, I mean, I work, so I work in the area of construction and, and I'm, I'm often in and out of people's houses um, building things. And um, there, is, there is really one yardstick and one yardstick alone by which a customer, a boss, is judged. And it is this, is the quality of the snacks available. <laughs> so I've had, I've had wonderful Bosses. I, I can, one, one sweet old lady particularly springs to mind, and she, she, she literally forced me to sit down with her at, at dinner time, at lunchtime, and, uh, and eat a three course meal with her. <laughs> and it was good stuff as well. It was, you know, like lamb steaks or, or, or pie and chips. You know, it wasn't just a, a little sandwich or something like that. It was really, really good. Um, I mean, this job, it should have taken me three days. I'm not going to deny it. I span out over a week. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it's quite hard to get much done in the afternoon when you've got a, a belly full of food. Um, so, um, now, now, you might think that the, uh, the, the areas of, of, uh, of conflict in, 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 my, in my thing are, are, are fairly mundane. Um, and, of course, you know, some of, the, some of the worst bosses that I get you know, can, can be a bit of a nightmare. You know, they're following you around the place. They, they assume that you're up to no good around their house. And as for getting a snack, I mean, a cup of tea, I can only assume that the kettle is broken. You know, it's, it's just, just impossible. Um, but um, for you, the, the, the areas might well be much more serious. You might have major areas of disagreement. You might be somebody who, uh, who, who, who suffers under the... Um, uh, under zero hours contracts, you can't get the, you, you, with all the kind of insecurity that, that comes with that, or, or you might be somebody who suffers from blatant sexism in the workplace, um, or even uh, you might have the, um, you might have the fear of a, um, of, 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 of the sack hanging over your head at all times, you just don't know, so it can be, there are really, really serious workplace issues which, which uh, Peter wants to uh, speak into. So his first piece of advice for us is this, imitate Christ. Now, for sure, Jesus Christ, he, 
Uh, he had a workplace for most of his life. He, he worked as a carpenter probably for around about 18 years and no doubt he suffered all the usual frustrations and injustices that everybody else in the workplace endures. But, um, but it's really Christ's work on the cross that we are to imitate. And, um, and, and Peter just gives a first-hand account of it because, of course, he witnessed the whole thing. Um, people insulting him, people attacking him, um, now, Jesus Christ was, uh, he, he was, he was the least suited to receive those insults. You know, when we're insulted, oftentimes, if we're being honest, there's maybe a grain of truth in the, in the insults that we can receive. For Jesus, there was no grain of truth. He was absolutely perfect in every way. Our ability to retaliate, perhaps by exchanging insults, or if we're really frustrated by exchanging fists... Is, is nothing compared to Jesus' ability to retaliate. He had the whole armies of heaven just waiting to take on the people who were uh, insulting and persecuting him, but he didn't do that. Peter is encouraging us to imitate Christ in our attitude when we suffer, when we suffer um, uh, unjust suffering, as he puts the pain of unjust suffering. Um, now, a great example of somebody who does just that in the Old Testament is, is Daniel. Now, if you know the story of Daniel, he was uh, an Israelite, and, and he was, they were, the Israelite people were taken captive by the Babylonians, who were like the big major power at the time. Um, he, and, and, but because of his natural talents, he kind of he rose up to become a very influential figure, and a politician, really, um, in the court of the king. Of Babylon, and the first one was Nebuchadnezzar, um, and uh, and he did really really well uh, doing this. But over time, something happened. A new king uh, came to power, and this guy he decided that he was God. Now, you might look at our own political system, and I don't think any of us are under any uh, misapprehension that it's uh, a beacon of light, but. It's not that bad. I mean, I think if none of us, we've just got a new prime minister coming in this last couple of weeks. I don't think, I think, I think any of us are expecting Theresa May to turn around her policies, you know, maybe a new schools policy, new health policy. Oh, and by the way, I'll just tuck this one at the end. You know, you Muslims, Christians, Jews, whatever other religion, you don't got to pray to your own God anymore. You've got to pray to me. I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, I mean, I'm not a political commentator by any means, but I just don't think it's going to happen. This is what happened to, in Daniel's situation. And... He had to work out what to do. So when he heard this new policy of King Darius, what was his first port of call? Having been told that he's not allowed to pray to God. Pray to God. Pray for King Darius because clearly he needs to be delivered from his foolishness, from his madness even. And, uh, and so he does that. Of course, he's caught in the act of his despicable act of praying for the king. And he's sentenced to death and the, the punishment is being thrown to the lions. Now, if you know your Bible, I'm sure you'll know uh, what happens next. God closes the mouths of the lions and, and, he's, and he is delivered. But, um, but I think Darius is a real, uh, Darius, excuse me, Daniel is a real example of, of how we are to, to get this balance right in the workplace of, of um, sure, doing what our boss tells us, but at the same time, not being walked over. And, um, and essentially living out a godly life 
in an ungodly place. Um, and it must have been horrendously difficult for him to do that, but he got the balance just right. And I would really want to encourage you, particularly if you're somebody who, who really feels in God that, that he's placed you in a particular workplace, maybe a career, a career path, um, and you really want to, to, be, to be God's man or woman in that workplace. You want God to use you in that workplace, but you know that there is, there is times when it, you, know, you, you, you just have to compromise to, to get ahead, basically, to do your job even. Daniel is somebody who you can really look at as a real example of how he did this. So I just want to encourage you to go and do that. But he was, he was punished harshly, essentially, for doing good. Um, um, I, I, a really amazing example that we're seeing kind of played out in our own day of somebody who is who's being persecuted for, for doing good is in the, which you may have been following, um, probably not in the news, but in social media in the last few weeks and months, is, uh, is in the, the land of Zimbabwe. And we have Evan, now I'm going to try and pronounce this right, Evan Marawire. Marawire, is that, is that right? Nearly there, okay. Evan Marawire. Um, Lloyd records is his friend. I don't really believe him. He says he's his friend. Um, so basically, if you don't know the story... Um, Evan Marawire, he's living... I'm just going to call him Evan. Evan is um, living in the, um, under the, the regime of Robert Mugabe, um, which is, you know, around right now. And he's, but he's seeking to do good for his country, not by, um, by, by kind of getting underneath the, um, the bones of the system and, and encouraging people to, to rise up in insurrection, overthrow the, um, the, the despotic regime. But he is... Um, he is actually just encouraging people to love their country. He's using the symbol of the flag, the Zimbabwe flag, um, to encourage people just to, just to really love their country and, he's, and pray for their country. And he is doing good uh, to their country, but he is, of course, he's being persecuted as well. And, and uh, the powers that be have taken him to court. They couldn't find anything against him. And all this is going on. It's just a really good example of, of somebody who right now is, is doing exactly what um, Peter is encouraging us. So if you're active on social media, I would encourage you to, um, to like Evan. is his a hashtag, this flag. Give him a like on Facebook, all that sort of stuff, because I, I think it really helps when pe- international people do that. So just a, just a little thing there. Um, now, as Christians, actually, we all know what it's like to be unjustly treated for doing good, because such a big part of who we are as Christians is seeking to tell others about Jesus, that telling our family, friends, neighbours who don't yet know God how wonderful life is with Jesus Christ at the centre of it. Um, you know, that we can live a life with hope, with meaning, and at most of all, at the end of it, we can be delivered from eternal separation with God in hell and given eternal life with him in glory. When you share your faith with a non-believer, that is what you're encouraging them to do. You are doing that person so much good, I would encourage you to keep going. But oftentimes, and I've experienced this many times myself, instead of being thanked for doing good, we're told that we're arrogant, that we're proud. That How can we say that Jesus is the only way to God? I would encourage you that if you are if you are trying to do that, just keep going because God is with you. There is though a deeper reason behind 
Peter encouraging his readers, his listeners, to not respond to evil with evil. And it's this. He knows that, that they, they have an earthly master, uh, a whip-toting Roman, who's ready to punish them for doing ill. But he is very much aware that behind that slave master is an even crueler slave master who is just waiting to devour them. And this is the slave master of sin. Now, sin in the Bible is presented not so much what we do or don't do, but as an attitude of the heart, an attitude of the heart towards God. God has clearly, through the Bible and through our consciences, laid out how we are to live. But what sin inside us does is say, I know you say I should live this way, God, but I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do things this way. I'm going to follow my own way. We've all done this from the earliest age. And uh, Jesus says, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. It's consistently presented in the New Testament as a slave master. You know, when... Our relationship with God isn't like a, a teenage couple who kind of keep getting back together and keep falling out. It's much, more, it's much more serious than that. Once we've fallen out with God, sin has its grips on us and tears us away from him. And there's no way back. And the reason is this, because he has us by rights. Once we sin, he has us by rights and we cannot come back to God of our own power. And the reason he has us by rights is because it's the law. Now, just as in Roman times, a slave who was a slave was a slave because of law, the Roman law said he was, so humanity is a slave to sin because the law says it's not just a human law which can be overturned or evoked, but the law of God which cannot be changed. It says in the New Testament, the power of sin is the law, meaning the law of God. And it's clear in the Bible that the law will never die. And so this is where the news gets really, really bad. This slave driver, because the law will never die, doesn't just keep us until the end of our days, but even through death, it drags us for eternity into hell, away from God. This is the slave driver that we are dealing with as human beings. This is terrible news. But this is, of course, is where the good news of God comes in. Because this was such a terrible situation for God to endure, that his people who he created would all have to live separately from him, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And he lived the life that our slave driver, sin, would never let us. He was the only man that sin couldn't get its claws into and drag away with him. He's the only one who never sinned. The one man that sin couldn't capture. He was wonderful in every way. All the ways in which we would want to live if only sin would let us. Being courageous. We're where, we're where, we're where um, cowardly. Jesus was courageous. Where. Where weak, Jesus was always strong. Where we can be cruel, Jesus was always kind. 
where we can hate our brothers and sisters, Jesus was always loving. He lived the life that we could not live. And at the end of it, as the only man to never have sinned, he did something amazing. Now, I often think that if, if Peter had, uh, sorry, I should say, if, if, if God had, um, if all he had wanted us to do was to, to live a life in imitation of Jesus, I think this, he would have done something like this. I think Jesus would probably have lived out his days, maybe 70, 80 years. He would have done many wonderful things, never sinning, of course. He would have taught. He would have done miracle upon miracle. It would have been amazing. And then I think some kind of, I don't know, maybe chariot of fire would have come from heaven to take him away, to really prove to everybody, this is the guy who you've got to imitate. You've got to do what he says, what he does, and then, then you will be okay. Now, if all we needed was somebody to imitate, an example, I think, I think something like that would probably have happened. That would have been enough. But it would never have been enough because sin would still have its grip on us. We would never have just been able to have a good example and then just do likewise because sin wouldn't have lessened. Sin was our slave master. So this is what happened. Jesus, the one man that sin couldn't capture, volunteered voluntarily came under its power. It says in the Bible that he became sin for us. He disguised himself as the worst of sinners and he went to the cross. He suffered, as Peter describes, all the insults that humanity could throw at him, all the indignity of being uh, captured like a slave and taken up to the cross, having to drag his cross on the road, being whipped by Romans all along, being spat at. And he went to the cross by his hands and his feet. He was nailed to the tree, as, as Peter puts it. But then what happens is that he was separated from God. We, by our own choice, have been separated from God because of what we've done. Jesus volunteered to be separated from God, even though he'd never done anything wrong. And when he was separated from God, all the punishment, all the anger that was due for us because of what we have done in insulting the dignity of a holy, mighty, magnificent God, all of that anger was poured out upon Jesus. He died, he was buried. But of course, death could not hold him. He was too strong for it. And so he broke free from the shackles of death and he rose again. Hallelujah. It says in the Bible, where, O oh death, is your power? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The, the sting of sin, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means for you and me, we live forever in Christ. When you became a Christian, something amazing happened. Sin didn't die, the law certainly didn't die, but you died. In Christ, the old you was crucified with him on the cross, and the new you, the born again you, rises with him 
into new life. And here's the great news, folks. Sin has no power over you anymore. That's the old slave master. A Christian who sins is, is like, I don't know, maybe a, a schoolboy who goes back to his old school and is, is worried about having his tighten up and his, his shoes polished. The old rules don't count anymore. Sin has no power over you anymore. Hallelujah. You're free. Free just to do whatever you want. Well, are you like the, um, like the black slaves I just mentioned of America and the Caribbean who were just released uh, to, uh, after slavery was abolished to, to, to fend for themselves? No. We're no longer slaves. We're sons. He's released us from slavery and made us sons and made us to serve the Father. Peter describes the Father here as the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Whereas our previous slave master was a cruel tyrant, our new one is a merciful father who wants the best for us. I just want to pray quickly. I just want to, for some of you, this, this may be the first time you've heard this stuff. Maybe the first time you've actually seen what Jesus did on the cross, those kind of cosmic forces that were at work. He wasn't just a guy that died. He was a guy that died for you, to release you. And, and I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to that in faith because the truth is that, that Jesus didn't just, didn't just do it as an example. He did it so that people could break through sin and death and into life. And if you know that deep down you're, you're not experiencing true life, in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been around church for a long time, who knows, but you've never really experienced that. I just want to invite you to receive that amazing gift today. So maybe just out of respect, perhaps we could all just close our eyes and, and just, if, if that's true of you, I just want you to stay, just to come before God in prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead a prayer. You can follow on, but really it's about you coming to God and, and asking him to come into your life. Lord God, I, I want to thank you for the amazing gift that you gave in your son, Jesus Christ. That you, you sent him and he voluntarily went to the cross. He voluntarily came under the power of sin so that I might be delivered from the power of sin. Lord, I just want to put my life in your hands. I want to recognize you as my new master, as my, as my father. I want to live for you, not for myself anymore. I'm sorry for going my own way. I want to go your way from here on in. Perhaps if you're, if you're here and maybe just while everybody's got their eyes closed and you just, if you know that you've made that prayer in your heart, maybe you could just show me by by, by raising your hand, just so I can, just so I can see. So I'd love to pray with you later on. Okay, let me just take this home. If you're treated badly, please open your eyes. If you're treated badly at work, or in any situation, to be honest, 
What does your old slave master say you must do? He says, retaliate. Get back. Hit back at them. But we serve a new master. We serve God. And what does our our new shepherd, new overseer of our souls say that we should do? He says, trust me. He says, and trust yourself to him who judges justly. That is God. There is a day coming when every heart will be laid bare and everybody will be called to answer for things that they've done. And actually, we don't have to worry about that. God's got that sorted. In the meantime, God says, you imitate Christ. You show the world that Jesus is alive and that the power of his death and resurrection is working through you here and today. You're no longer under slavery to sin, but you're a servant of God. So, I guess the question I want to ask you is is that it doesn't really matter that much who your earthly master is, your boss, and even how they treat you, because he's a middle manager at best. What I want to ask you is who's your real master? Is it sin or is it God? If it's God, then follow him accordingly. I'm just going to invite the band to come back up. I'm just going to sing one more song. And in a few minutes, I really want to, I just believe there's some, there's some stuff that people want to pray through today. Um, I've no doubt God will be, has been working situations through many people's minds. Um, so uh, just as, as, as we sing, maybe um, uh, just, just as Sandy comes to the end of the song, we'll, I'll just invite the ministry team to come forward just to kind of congregate in this area. And I, and I would love you if you, if this is spoken to you this morning, if you're thinking, yeah, I, 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 need, to, I need to respond to my heart attitude towards those in authority over me. Or maybe you want to pray into a situation that you're, you know that you're not being treated well and you just want to pray that, that God would help you in that for strength. Uh, I really want to encourage you to come receive prayer. So as we sing this song, just be having a, a think about that and we're just going to give glory to God.